All right, good morning. It's a good day to be alive, amen? Turn to Romans chapter 15, page 949. We're coming to the end of the study of the book of Romans. Today in chapter 15, Paul talks about hope, and he talks about heroes. So we're going to dive right in. Let's begin by talking about hope. Romans chapter 15, verse 1 through 4. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. So what is hope? When we studied uh, Romans chapter 5 back in February, you all remember that sermon, right? We said that hope is a feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. Hope is a feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. We hope for all all kinds of things all the time. We're constantly hoping for the future to turn out the way we would like it to. We want the future to happen the way we want it to. There's those little hopes. How many of you hoped that the hot water heater worked this morning when you went to take a shower? Now you may not have had that thought, but boy, if it didn't work, you would have remembered you would have realized it quickly. Those little hopes like, I hope my car starts today. I hope we have a safe drive to church today. Those are day-to-day unspoken hopes that we have for the future to happen the way we want it to. And there, then there are the bigger hopes. Today, one of my hopes is that our daughter Naomi arrives in China uh, after a long flight, arrives safely. People, when they work for a company and there's a reorganization or, or the company's being bought out, they hope they'll still have a job. We hope our children, if we're married, or our grandchildren make good life choices. When we fail a friend, we hope our friends will forgive us for the hurt we've caused them because we were stupid. I hope I will be healthy and live to be 100. Anybody there with me? Some of you are like, no, that's way too much work to live to 100. We're constantly hoping for the future to happen the way we want it to, all the while knowing that we can't really control the future. Amen? And what can happen when our hopes are dashed? Well, first is we lose hope. We give in to our circumstances. We curl up in a little ball on the couch. And we stop stop trying to change the world. Our vibrant, adventurous faith 
can turn into an, an anemic and dull faith. I hope this isn't a spoiler alert for your future, but many of our hopes will not come to pass. So what do we do? Do we stop moving forward? Do we stop trying to make the world a better place when things around us look a little or a lot hopeless? And we would all say, no, of course not. But why do we continue to move forward in our faith, even in the seemingly hopeless times? Why don't we just give up when things look hopeless? We don't give up when things look hopeless because there is one hope. There is one hope that is 100% guaranteed to come to pass. And what is this certain hope? Well, we talked about this certain hope back in February, and I just want to review it a little bit since we're talking about hope today. Romans chapter 5, in the first two verses, they say this. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into his grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So if we are believing, trusting, faithful followers of Jesus... We have been justified by his blood and by our faith. Let me give you a reminder of the definition of justification. Justification is God's response to our faith. And when he justifies a person, he forgives their sin and he makes them righteous. So when we are justified by his blood and by our faith, we are at peace with God. The war with God is over. Those are great words to hear when you're a soldier. The war is over. Can you imagine? Can you imagine uh, soldiers at the end of World War II when the, when the war was over? And they heard those words, the war is over. Wow. When we're justified by Jesus' blood and our faith, the war is over. We have peace with God. God's not mad at you. God will not make you pay for your sins because Jesus already did that. Instead, God wants what's best for you. How many of you think you know what's best for you? How many of you think you know what's best for the person sitting next to you? God knows what's best for us, and he loves us, and he wants us to have that best. I guess he wants you to be your best you. And when we're justified by his blood and our faith, we also have access to his grace. Grace, his unmerited favor that makes the unforgivable forgivable. And because we're forgiven... By grace and at peace with God, we receive that assurance of eternal life. And so we rejoice in that. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We will be in the presence of God for all eternity. And so that's our certain hope. Our certain hope is this. We have a 100% guarantee 
that as believing, trusting, faithful followers of Jesus, we have received the gift of eternal life in the presence of God. So if you're a follower of Jesus, you have already stepped into eternal life. You are already living eternal, your eternal life. So when things are hopeless, when things seem hopeless, we can be certain of this. Even though the future we were hoping for doesn't seem to be taking shape the way, had, the way we had hoped for, we live forever in the presence of God. We live forever in the presence of God, and it doesn't get any better than that. It doesn't get any better than that. On Friday, 30 uh, 30 or so pastors and church leaders gathered here. Uh, it's the organization is, the association is called HarvestNet, and once a month they, they go, we, we go to a church and we pray and worship together and encourage one another, and this past Friday was here. And uh, one of the leaders present, uh, a friend of Betsy and mine, uh, knows a little bit about some of our struggles uh, individually and family and some of the things we've been through in the church in the last few years uh, and at the end she said I have a word of encouragement for you and, and she read me this scripture and I want to share it today 2nd Corinthians chapter 4 verse 16 through 18 she said let let this encourage you Tim and so here's the message through the word it says this so we do not lose heart Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient or temporary, but the things that are unseen are eternal. And when she shared that with me, God was saying, don't lose heart. Don't lose heart because you are living forever and your circumstances are temporary, but your life is eternal. God was reminding me of my certain hope. Not the things I hope for that will happen tomorrow or in a year or five years, but my certain hope of eternity that has already begun in my life. Do not lose heart. But you and I know how easy it is to lose heart. How do we remain hopeful when things seem hopeless? Let's go back to Romans 15, verse 4. Paul writes this, For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. We might have hope. Paul tells us two ways to remain hopeful. He says through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. So the first way is this. Through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. One of our amazing sisters in our church family, uh, she recently sh went through a, a loss, uh, a loss of a loved one, 
uh, and it's a really difficult time. But she shared with me a few days ago, I'm really pressing into God's word. And God is encouraging me. And, and he's encouraging me so much, I'm compelled to share his word with others so they too will be encouraged. See, she's finding hope through the encouragement of the scriptures. And then she's bringing that hope to others so that they would be encouraged and they would be find hope through the encouragement of the scriptures. So Paul tells us our hope is sustained through the word of God. So if you're feeling hopeless, read God's word. If you're feeling hopeless, study God's word. If you're feeling hopeless, meditate on God's word. If you're feeling hopeless, memorize God's word. A second way to remain hopeful, Paul says, is to endure. Paul says that through endurance we might have hope. What is it we must endure that we might have hope? Quickly back to Romans 5, verse 3. We rejoice in our, here's the answer, we rejoice in our, anybody know it? Sufferings. Knowing that suffering produces endurance, there it is, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, through the Spirit of the living God who has been given to us. So we endure in our suffering as we journey through life because we know that we have the certain hope of eternal life through Jesus. And this endurance through our suffering isn't about us, but it's about others. What did Paul say in verse 1? He says, we who are strong, okay, you're pretty strong if you have eternal life, wouldn't you say? Like, nobody can touch you. You will live forever. So you're strong. Amen? All right. You live forever. So we, are, we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves, but to please others. In verse 2, he says, Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. Have you ever had a neighbor? You're like, mm-mm. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. And ladies, don't read that. Just the guys have to do that, right? Let each of us please our neighbors for our, his, their good to build them up. Okay, verse 7. Therefore, It says, therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Our endurance is about others. In verse 14, we are called to be full of goodness, filled with knowledge, and able to instruct one another. So our endurance that brings us hope is about living for others and bringing them hope. We have our guaranteed hope of eternal life, and so we get to bring others hope. We get to bring others hope. Yesterday was, um, well, let me, let me give you an example. Two people because of their certain hope in Jesus, live for others to bring them hope. Yesterday was Vicki Koval's brother John, his memorial service. 
Vicky, are you in here? I saw you. Yeah, there you are. I'm going to talk about you. Is that okay? You and John? Okay. All right. So yesterday was John Spade's memorial service. And, and Vicki and her husband, John, had this huge desire. They desperately wanted everyone who was at the memorial service to hear the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And they also wanted family members and friends who couldn't be there to hear that same hope. And so, so we made a recording of the service. They wanted the hope of Jesus to be shared. Their ambition was to preach the gospel. And so they worked very hard to prepare. Vicki told me that for a few weeks the Lord was waking her up in the middle of the night saying, here's what you need to say. And Vicki would write it down. And yesterday, Vicki and John stood up here and they shared the hope that they have in Jesus. And I got to tell you, if you were there, you'll agree with me. They hit a home run. Vicki got up here and, and she preached the gospel filled with the Holy Spirit, just sharing the hope of Jesus Christ. And John shared the gospel. It was awesome. Their ambition was to preach the gospel. And so they worked hard and they stepped out of their comfort zone and they shared. Vicki and John are full of goodness, filled with knowledge and able to instruct others. And their hope is sustained by the word of God and by living for others. The word of God and living for others has sustained Vicki through this trial in losing her brother because of the hope that she has in Jesus Christ. Vicki and John are heroes of the faith. And if you, if you said, oh, you're a hero, they'd be like, no, I'm not a hero. But they are. They're heroes of the faith. And yesterday they demonstrated their heroism. So I have a question. Who are your heroes? Who are your heroes? Class participation. Jesus. Okay, he's a good hero to have. Amen. Any other heroes? Iron Man? Okay, spoiler alert. He died. Oh! Okay. Dr. Martin Luther King. Amen. Anybody else? God, yes. Spider-Man, okay. Anybody else? The President, okay. Anybody else? Johnny Erickson Tata. Yeah, wow. Anybody else? Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> I got to be able to fit out the door. So I have a hero. I have lots of heroes. Uh, one is uh, a, uh, an old friend of mine, an old co-worker back in the Army comrade, uh, Comrade in arms, Master Sergeant Jim Dunn and his wife. 
Ava. And uh, when I was a young army captain, I was 28, I wasn't a believer yet, and, and uh, Master Sergeant Dunn, he was this old, crusty uh, Master Sergeant, old and crusty. He was probably 40. <laughs> but when you're 28, those guys were old and crusty. So <laughs> all you guys in your 40s, you're looking pretty good now. Um, so he was this hard-charging uh, master sergeant who knew his stuff. He was a soldier's soldier, and yet he was a follower of Christ. And he shared the way he lived his life. He shared the hope of Jesus Christ. And his wife shared the gospel with my wife, Betsy, Betsy came to know the Lord, and so, so I was surrounded by my wife on this side and Master Sergeant Dunn on this side, and, and then some other believers that the Lord had put in my path. He's a hero because he lived his life heroically. Because he lived his life for Jesus. He's a soldier, but he's a follower of Christ as well. And he knew it. Everybody who knew him knew who his hero was, Jesus. Changed, God used him and his wife to change our lives. Uh, I, I can't even imagine what my life would be like without Jesus. And so he's a hero to me. And the, the interesting thing is, is that all of you are heroes. All of you are called to be heroic in your journey with Jesus. Now, Paul is a hero of the faith, no question about that. And in verses 14 through 21, Paul paints a picture of heroic faith. And so let's just talk about that for a moment. A heroic faith encourages people in their journey with Jesus. In verse 14, Paul writes, I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to instruct one another. Church family, be encouraged. You are full of goodness. You are full of goodness. Over and over, I see this church family share God's goodness with people in the church family, people outside the church family. You don't care. You just share God's goodness with everyone that God puts in our path. And yesterday was a great example of that. The way you showed your love and care for not just Vicki and John, but her whole family most of who you've never met before. You're filled with all knowledge. Now, before you think, really? So what did Paul mean? Because none of us are filled with all knowledge, amen? We all still have some growing to do. I'm at the front of the line trying to grow uh, as well. Uh, not the front of the line because I know more, front of the line because I need to know more, I know less. Anyway, I'm getting off track. You're all filled with all knowledge. What did Paul mean? 
He didn't mean that we know everything. Paul, what Paul was telling us, what he was telling the church in Rome is that you know all the key uh, truths of the gospel. You know the foundational truths of Jesus' teachings. And this is true of this church family as well. We have never wavered from the truth contained in the Bible. So we are filled with all knowledge. So we're full of goodness. You are full of goodness. You are filled with all knowledge. And finally, Paul says, you are able to instruct one another. You study the Bible together. You teach one another what you know. And we grow together in, a, in our journey toward a deeper faith in Jesus. So be encouraged. Be heroes of the faith. Be encouragers. Be encouragers. So a heroic faith encourages people in their journey with Jesus. Number two, a heroic faith challenges people in their journey with Jesus. Paul writes in verse 15 that he wrote this letter to the Roman church body. He wrote it as a challenge. He says, by way of reminder, because of the grace given me by God. He wrote this letter to challenge the church. So we get to challenge one another in our journey with Jesus. And we are all better off when we do challenge one another. You get to challenge you. You get to challenge you. I, I get to challenge you. You get to challenge me. We challenge one another and we're better for it. Now when we challenge one another, we need to do it through the grace of given to us by God. So our challenges need to be filled with grace. Now a graceless, a graceless challenge, graceless challenges are filled with judgment and offer no support. But a graceful challenge or a grace-filled challenge is an invitation to take the next step in your faith and then an offer to provide support as you take that next step. So here's an example. So, so uh, 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 you're at the gym, right? And you're pumping out the, the bench presses, right? 500 pounds, 500 pounds. All right, 50 pounds, 50 pounds, 50 pounds. You're pumping out. And there's your coach. And they're like, dude, you are a loser. You are weak. You haven't gotten any stronger since last week. You, you won't be able to do 10. You won't even be able to do 8. You're a loser. You might as well stop. I don't know why I even bother coaching you. Graceful or graceless? Graceless, all right? We get that. So a graceful challenge would be, you can do it. One more. Just kidding. One more. You can do one more. One more. And, and, and as you're pumping out the very last one, they grab the bar and put it in the rack. That's the support. So an invitation to take the next step, and then you provide support to help that person take the next step. We can't ever have graceless challenges. You're a loser, and I'm not going to help you take that next step. You're awesome. Let me help you take that next step. Graceful. Grace-filled challenges. Last week, Alex shared that we can either be a stepping stone 
or a stumbling block. Graceless challenges are stumbling blocks. Grace-filled challenges are stepping stones. Years and years ago, there was this, uh, I was watching the Olympics, ice skating, and there was this uh, Hallmark commercial. And this mom, there's a young ice skater, and she's about to go on the rink and do her thing. And the, the mom gave her two cards. One, it said, if you win. And the other said, if you don't win. And I saw, I, I'm like, man, that is cruel. That's a lot of pressure to put on a kid. And so the kid looked at the cards, put them down, and went out, and, and she won. And so she came back. She opened the card, if you win, and, and it said all these nice things about her from her mom. And then she opened the other one. It said the same exact thing. See, that's grace. You do your best. And no matter how it turns out, the Lord will love you the same. Because he can't love you any more or less than when he went to the cross. At the cross, he said, I love you to death. Grace-filled challenges were to be challengers, to be heroes of the faith, faith were to be grace-filled challengers. Encouragers, grace-filled challengers, and finally, Paul shows us that heroes of the faith are ambitious toward what God has called them to. They're ambitious toward what God has called them to do. Verse 20 and 21, And thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation, but as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. So God had called Paul to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. And so he made his ambition to do just that. So God called him to preach to the Gentiles, and Paul said, my ambition will be to the Gentiles. Paul aligned his ambition with his calling. And so what are your ambitions? What are you determined to achieve? What are you willing to work hard to accomplish? See, before Paul met Jesus, he was an ambitious religious leader. Here's how he described himself in Galatians chapter 1, verse 14. He said this about himself and his ambitions. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So he's out ahead of the pack. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. So Paul, his name then was Saul, he was an ambitious religious leader. But after he met Jesus, he continued to be ambitious, but his ambitions lined up with God's heart and with God's truth and with God's calling. So as followers of Jesus... If we want to be heroes of the faith and we want to bring hope to people, we need to make sure our ambitions line up with who God is calling us to be and what he's calling us to do. Now, we all have unique callings. We all have unique aspects of our callings. But we also have a common calling. And so I want to talk about that for a moment. We're all called to love God. Is this one of our ambitions? 
Are we willing to work hard at deepening our relationship with God? We're all called to love others. Is this one of our ambitions? Are we willing to work hard at loving others? We're all called to make disciples by helping others grow close to Jesus. Is this one of our ambitions? Are we willing to work hard to help others draw closer to Jesus? This week, we need to reflect on this question. Do our ambitions align with God's calling? Do our ambitions align with God's calling? So our hope in Jesus is certain. You live forever. Go be a hero. We can bring hope to others by being encouragers and grace-filled challengers. And if we align our ambitions with God's call, God will use us to bring the hope of Jesus to the world. Let's pray. Lord, we all go through seasons of hopelessness. Maybe a certain aspect of our life feels hopeless. Maybe our whole lives feel hopeless. But Lord, you remind us today through your word that we have a certain hope that no one can take away and no one can change. That hope is the hope of eternal life in you that begins the moment we give our lives to you. And so, Lord, help us focus in the hopeless times on the certain hope that we have. And, Lord, we are surrounded by people with no hope. Lord, help us bring hope to them. Help us be encouragers. Lord, help us be Help us be encouragers, Lord. Lord, help us be grace-filled challengers. Lord, help us show love. Help us show others how to draw close to Jesus. Lord, we want our ambitions to line up with your call. And so help us this week, Lord. Help us think about what our ambitions are. And Lord, show us those ambitions that, that we're afraid to admit we have. Help us this week, Lord, so that our ambitions would line up with your call, so that we could bring hope to the world. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yes. Where's the microphone? Here, let me get it. Come on up here. I, I think I'm supposed to share this. Please be patient with me and forgive me if I heard wrong. I, there's a verse in uh, a post on Facebook that Marilyn Leslie put on this morning that it keeps resonating with me. It's something I'd heard before, but it never... It never really sunk in, and now it seems so big. Um, a lot of us are really grieving over the state of the world, 
about what's happening with the conflicts, the spread of ungodliness. It feels hopeless. And sometimes it can look to us like our hope is that we're going to get to escape it all and be with Jesus and let it all go to hell in a handbasket. And it feels like we're just going to like escape, which there's truth to that. But the real truth is this. Has n this is from Habakkuk 2. Has not the Lord of heaven's armies promised that the wealth of nations will turn to ashes? They work so hard, but all in vain. That's what we're seeing. But for as the waters fill the sea, the earth will be filled with an awareness of the glory of God. We're not just going to escape and let this world burn. The Lord of the, Lord of the heavens of armies, that's Jesus. He is going to set it all right. He is going to make this earth all new with not one single taint of sin, one, not one single drop of the fall left. Everything is going to be new and fresh and perfect. Think about the ocean. There are like pockets of not ocean in the ocean. The ocean, the pressure of the ocean and that water, it fills every single nook and cranny. And the glory of the Lord is going to do that here, not just us escaping, but it is coming here. That is our other hope we have. I'm going to invite uh, Dakota Kirk and Brendan Anderson to come up here. They, they become members of the church. We want to pray for them. Yeah, you can clap for them. So if uh, I know the elders, I know Tim's here. Just come on up here. Oh, I'm surrounded. <laughs> These guys look awesome. <laughs> Don't mess with me today. I got my I got my bodyguards with me. Brendan's like. <laughs> All right, so uh, we want to pray for you guys. So I'll let you stand next to each other. So, uh, all right, let's pray. Father God, we are grateful. Father, we are grateful. Sorry, I turned it off. <laughs> Father God, we are grateful for Brendan and Dakota, Lord. We thank you for their hearts and that they belong to you, Lord. Lord, we're thankful for their gifts, Lord, and uh, and their heart and desire to be part of this church family, Lord. Um, we just lift them up to you, every area of their life, Lord, and ask you to bless them, Lord. Bless them mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually, Lord, as we see them uh, just grow in the Lord um, and, uh, and serve you, Lord. And we are grateful to have them as part of our uh, church family. Lord, you're a good God. And uh, you, you knit us together as a church family in all kinds of different ways. And, Lord, we're just thankful that you brought Dakota and Brendan into our lives, into this church family. Uh, They're a blessing to us. And uh, so I just thank you, Lord. Just grateful. And, uh, Lord, continue to bless them as they um, continue to grow as men in the faith. Lord, bless them. Direct their steps. Help them see the path that you're setting before them. Bless them at work. Bless them uh, in their families. Uh, just direct their steps, Lord. And uh, Lord, help us uh, minister to them as they minister to us. And Lord, we're grateful. And we thank you. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Amen.